Good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? Good. Much sweet. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. Lots of coffee. Praise God for our coffee. Um, this morning. Testimony of God's grace to all of us. Um, hey, uh, let, me, let me pray for us and then we'll, then we'll dive into uh, our, our talk this morning. Father, uh, we ask for your presence. Um, and we you to help us to be reminded of Last night we spent a little bit of time talking through uh, part of Hebrews chapter 10, right? Um, where the writer begins to unpack how the work of Jesus shaped our lives in communion with the living God. He says that we have access and we have what? An advocate, right? We have access, we have an advocate. And so he, he kicks off this, this passage in Hebrews 10 by telling us to draw near to the Lord with confidence. But then he points us to uh, a couple verses down, I need to walk in communion. So we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 10 here in, in a few minutes. But um, as you think about what it means to uh, walk with Jesus and, and to see your spiritual good, God has so designed the Christian life that it is a life done before Him, but done in community. We do our life before the living God, but we do it in community. Our, our walk is not just our own, it's not just me and God. And a lot of people will like try to live out like, man, I don't, I don't need, I don't need to be a part of the church, I don't need to be a part of the community. Like, man, me and God are good. Like, Dietrich Bonhoeffer would have a word to speak to me. Uh, we talked about like how, hey, if you can't, if you, if you need community so much, you can't be alone. Like, you're a danger to community. And if you think you're okay with just you and God, like, you're a danger to yourself. Like, you actually need community with the living God. And community. It's a symbiotic relationship the way that God calls us to live our life. We communion with Him and bring our communion with Him back into community so we can turn the lives of other people and Jesus Christ ourselves. So Paul Tripp, when he talks about our lives as Christians, he says that your walk with God is a community project. Your walk with God is a community project. He says it this way. He says, God has not called us to live in isolation as believers. He unites us to Christ and he places us within a community of faith where we influence one another in really profound ways. And he goes on to describe Christian community as intentionally intrusive, Christ-centered, grace-driven, and redemptive. Intentionally intrusive, which means I'm in your business, you're in my business, kind of like, we don't like to live our lives like that, right? If you keep your stuff to yourself, I'll keep mine to myself. But God designed the life of the church to be an intentionally intrusive, a Christ-centered, a grace-driven, which is, by the way, like, when I see sin in your life, I'm not just pointing to the sin, I'm pointing to the grace of Jesus, 
and offers forgiveness and patience in most of that thing, right? And it is redemptive. Our goal as a family, as a community, is to teach one another's work, but our goal as a community is to teach one another to form more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus. So, why do we need community as Christians? Well, first, you need community because it's a part of your society. You're actually made for community. A lot of people, when they talk about their desire for community, we talk about a lot of our felt needs as human beings. Like, I need to be connected with other people. I used to be the small group pastor at our church, and one of the things that people would always say to me, they would come to our church and they would say, I need community. I, I need it. I need people around me. And that's true. But a lot of times, like, people are expecting a structure to do something for them, and it's not even based on desire. It's like this felt need, but like, community is actually a part of your desire. You don't need it because it's a felt need. You need it because God made you for it. Um, so Brad House in his book on, um, on community says that hanging the need for community on belonging is like hanging the need for water on thirst. The need for both is deeper. Thirst is just a symptom of a deeper desire. If your body was created to require water to survive, and while we can technically survive without community, we don't function properly without it. The deeper need for community is embedded in the very fabric of who we are and to part of our design. What do you mean by that, too? Well, from a biblical worldview, our desire for community now is how God's wired us. So, uh, since community is a part of our design, we have to begin with God and in His Word and in His eternal purposes to establish the biblical foundation for community. So we see in the scriptures that God exists eternally, one essence, three persons, right? One God, yet Father, Son, and Spirit in person. And so God in his very essence is persons in community. Like you've got the three in one living communally with one another from eternity past. And so when God says, I'm going to make mankind in my image, he makes us in his image as persons designed to live in community with one another. And that's just a part of who God's made you to be. So uh, one pastor says that uh, it makes it clear then that community is intrinsic to the structure of reality. God himself is community eternally. And so community and friendships aren't created, but they're foundational to the universe, foundational to God is foundational to who God has made us to be. And so God made us in his image, which is to say he made us to be persons who live in community. But what happens in Genesis chapter 3? Our ability to Community with one another is broken, right? Like sin enters into the world, and so community is broken. The image of God is marred. Our ability to live in community with one another is messed up. And so now, uh, our natural bent as human beings in a fallen world is: I don't live with you as a person to be honored and a person to, to be valued. I look at you as an object to be manipulated. Like that's the uh, that's how our sin marred relationships. Like I use you to get what I need from you. So even like. My maybe benign sense of like a need for belonging, I can actually bring that into Christian community and start using people to feel something in me, not to honor them as someone that God has created and be mutually beneficial in the Spirit. Like, things can get real twisted in our hearts really quick. But based on uh, what Christ has done in his redemption, not just restoring us to himself, not just bringing us salvation, not just making it possible for us to continue with the living God and bold us into throne of grace with, with confidence because we have access to an advocate. He's now brought us into a community of people, like a fellowship of believers, dividing walls of hostility has been torn down between people too. And God has brought us back into fellowship with one another. So now what was broken
by the fall of our design at the beginning. God has restored now in Christ, and we're actually able to live into the human need for community, human desire for community. So we need community because it's a part of our design. Second thing, we need community for our protection. We need community for the protection. Wow, wow, why did you say that to you? If you chapter 3, you probably already didn't give you a chance. I'll flip a couple pages over to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and, and 13. Now we're in this section of Hebrews where uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about uh, how the people of God fail to, fail to find rest. Like they, they fail to, to find the rest that they were longing for and they rebelled against the living God. And so he's turning as he's reflecting on the people of Israel, he turns to the people that he's writing to, and he says in verse 12, Hey, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart that leads you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, so that none of you might be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says, And I talk to these people above all things, and desperately sick, who can understand it to life. My heart, I think I see all of me that I need to see, but the reality is I don't. Like, I actually think I'm doing really well, but my heart is so deceitful that I'll actually justify sin in my own heart. I'll actually justify a way of living, justify a pattern of living in life. Well, it's a part of who I am, or man, maybe God wants me to have that thing. Maybe God wants me to speak with my voice. Maybe God wants me to just, I, I, I feel love. Like, I justify anything in my life, right? We all justify all kinds of sins. I talk to the people that all things to desperately sin. And so the writer of Hebrews, knowing that reality, says, Take care, brothers, lest any of you have this sinful and evil and unbelieving heart that leads you to fall away from the living God. We are blind to our own blindness. We're blind to our own blindness. A lot of you have probably been in classes if you look at the, the school of knowing how to be hard. You look at the Olympics, you what kind of power do you have? The greatest power you have in the world. No, there you go. Yes. Um, but the Johari window. So the Johari window, if you imagine a window with four panes, in the Johari window, um, you have this, uh, these ways of knowing. So you've got your public self, which is like the you that's like knowing that both you know and other people know, right? You've got your hidden self, which only you know that part of you, right? You don't bring that out in the public sphere because, like, that shattering stuff, that sin, those anxieties, those things like, oh, everybody know I don't want to give it to someone else. I'm good, I'm right, I'm holy, but not me. Then there's a part of you that is a blind self, that's aimed at the blind self where other people see it, but you don't see it about yourself. It's the kind of stuff that all your friends see about you, but no one's going to say about you because no one else is coming to you like, hey, bro, did you see that? Like, you see it anymore. When you see that, that's really hurtful. You don't see, you think of being funny or being cool or whatever, like, there's a part of you that's blind, and then there's a part of you that's thinking an unknown self, like, no one knows it, and you don't even know that thing about yourself. So what, what has that happen in an intensely intrusive, Christ-centered, redemptive community is that you need brothers and sisters around you to help you see the blind spots in your life. There's times where I've got brothers who are like, who, they just know my patterns, they know, they know where I'm tempted to sin, all that kind of thing, and so... Part of even this last run where I've had a lot of work to do, a lot, a lot of preaching to do, I've had these spots and say, hey, Keith, 
I know that Marcella Stacy is going to say, hey, Steve, how was last night? I know that Daniel Dixon is going to say, hey, Steve, how was last night? How did you fight last night? I prayed for you all night. Here's what I prayed for you. You confess the thing before you commit it because you're trying to protect your soul. Accountability needs to be done well. I'm grateful I'm openly confessing and I'm grateful I'm confessing before I sin to give us. I'll confess this thing openly before I actually fall headlong into the sin. And accountability needs to be done well because protection are places that point us back to the Lord Jesus because there's places in your life where you're going to dwell headlong into sin and you're going to fall. I'm going to pray going to all of your pastors say by the way, we we sin. We need grace. Here's the deal, though. I need brothers who, when I sin, are going to point me back to the grace of Jesus to say, He forgives you, and He turns you to say no, right? That's what His grace does. And I need them to do the work to just continue to point my heart because I've got a naturally really guilty and shame ridden heart. And so when I sin, I go to these dark places like, man, God must hate me. God must not love me. I've got brothers who stop and say, Hey, you are loved by the living God. He never loves you more than He already does. They fight for my soul, not just against my sin, but just the unbelief that comes up in my soul as well. Like, you need community to help you fight for your soul. Third thing, uh, you need community to help you grow in the faith. Help you grow in the faith. Uh, you see that in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 15. I was just talking to Sarah about this passage this morning, actually. You guys don't know me. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit is working. Um, but Paul says that, that God's given, Christ has given his body, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Which is to say, my work as a pastor, Trey's work as a pastor, is to equip you to do the work of ministry with one another. Which is to say, applying the word of God to one another's lives, speaking the truth in love, praying for one another, fighting for one another's hearts, etc. So that you are, verse 12 of Ephesians 4, built up in the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith into one mature man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, verse 14, we're no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves of cunning, and every word of gospel, by human cunning and, and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body joins together and held together by every joint with which is equipped. When each part works properly, which means all of us have work to do, amen? All of us have work to do in the body of Christ. When each part works properly, it makes the body build itself up in love. We need community to help us grow in our faith. And you need to be a part of a community, not just so you can seek that growth, but so that you're able to actually help other people grow. That's what Paul says today. All of us have work to do to help one another grow. Your walk with Jesus is what? A community project. The person next to you walk with Jesus. It's a community project. Every person at University Baptist Church, they walk with Jesus. It is a community project, family. You need to be a part of building up for others. And, and these are a necessary component to a faith life of another believer. Like, you see your own life in that way. Like, preaching last weekend, I told our people that, um, when we talked about spending time with Jesus, we get to visit God last night, right? And I told him, like, hey, every time that you spend time with Jesus, you actually are being recreated. And people look at me like, what are you talking about? But here's the deal. If my heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, I will need someone looking into my soul and speaking truth into those places, right? Where do you find the truth that's going to draw me away from this deceitfulness of sin? In the Word of God, right? 
So how are you going to apply some truth and speak some truth in love if you have not read and, and soaked in the truth that is soaked in the love of the living God, right? Like, you can't do that. So every time you spend time with me, you're actually doing work on my behalf, not just your own behalf. Here's why. Because the time is going to come when a brother or sister is going to say, hey, man, I'm really struggling here. I'm, I'm really hurting here. I'm really marveling here. And because they're trying to be graduated with it, and then I got to bring it in the songs to them. And it's just the way I approach it. Actually, last week, maybe it's just to be said, reminded me of something like this. Last week, I can't tell you the number of times we're like, God's done me good in my own time with the Lord in the morning, and I'm not used to like, uh, what am I going to use to like, listen to someone pray for them? But like, I spent some time in the Word, and then like, later in the day, I get a chance to pray with another brother or sister, and it's just like, hey man, you got to read this morning, can I just pray that over you right now? And it happens to be the encouragement that they need for that moment. My walk with Jesus has done for my own good and communion with God, and done to fight for the faith of other people as well. So like, we need one another in that way. You've got work to do, and I've got work to do. We give ourselves to one another, and Paul says, "Each time we're stopping the body of Christ, we're stopping one another in the ministry." Next thing is, we need community for encouragement. We need community for encouragement. This is where Hebrews chapter ten um, comes in, comes into us, comes into play. We need community for encouragement. Sometimes walking with Jesus gets me hard. We'll be in verse twenty-four for the last. Sometimes walking with Jesus in college is like tough, right? Like it's it's a it's a incredibly tempting to walk away and fall away from the living God. And so these, these folks in Hebrews were actually struggling, you know, wanting to fall away from the living God. And so the writer of Hebrews has written them to tell them like a couple of things. One that hey, Jesus is better than anything else this world has to offer. And that folks telling them that hey, the best way to relate to the living God is go back to the old way, go back to the sacrifices. Go back to uh, the, the priestly system. Go back to this. And the writer of Hebrews says, no, man, Jesus is better than all of that. His blood speaks a better word. His sacrifice speaks a better word. His priesthood is a better priesthood. He's more powerful than Moses. He is the word that is spoken that's, that's more weighty and more enduring than any word that any prophet that has spoken. He's higher and better and more beautiful than any angel that's ever been given. So, like, he says, man, Jesus is better. And he says in chapter 10 to these people, hey, you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. Like, you are being persecuted and you're being tempted to fall away into this other way, which, by the way, that religious ritual way of living, that wasn't being persecuted. Following the way, Jesus was being persecuted. So he's like, you're being tempted to fall away from Jesus and fall into an easier way of trying to live religion without actually being committed to the Lord Jesus. Because you have need of endurance. And one of the ways that endurance happens is by living in community, by the way. One of the ways that it happens is by living in community. Look at verse 24 and 25. Uh, with me in Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24. Let us consider how to spare one another up towards love and good deeds. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Like, he does not say, consider how your needs can be met in community and find some folks who will meet those needs. He doesn't say, look specifically for a group of people that make you comfortable all the time. He doesn't say, hey, make sure that you keep in the motion of going to church and find one where your preferences are met. No man, consider how you can spur one another up towards love and towards good deeds. The whole purpose of Christian community is to encourage one another to keep pressing, to keep fighting, to keep going. Christian community is not just to have a place to belong, but it's to keep 
one of the foundational elements of Jesus where the life and the, the values of King Jesus shape your life setting. And so when he tells us to consider one another, how we can serve, why do we encourage that kind of thing? Not just to throw away with good vibes, not just to be a warm fellowship. These people are struggling to hold fast to their faith, and you're going to struggle to hold fast to your faith in college. And by the way, to be honest, it doesn't get easier to keep walking with Jesus. It doesn't, even as a pastor. It doesn't get easier to walk with, with Jesus. And so, uh, in all the places where you're going to, he is tempted to fall away, and you have need of endurance. This writer is not telling you to get it together. He's saying, hey, go look to Jesus. Go look to the master supremacy of, of Jesus. And then he says, and serve one another up. This is to say, you need to take into consideration what other brothers and sisters need to be carried up towards love and good deeds. So when you look across the room and you say, man, I know what kind of a feeling it is for us to be I know it's cold dust here sometimes. I know what kind of feeling it is to pray. It's honest. We just talked about how crazy busy every single one of us are. And so, like, man, to encourage him to his love and good deeds is to remind you that his identity is not rooted in the work that he does. Like, your, your work is not rooted in how many students came to preach. Your work is not rooted in how many students attend that Bible study or attend that outreach event at any point. Your work is rooted in Jesus. Your identity is rooted in Jesus. And you're a son before you're a pastor. You've got nothing to prove your name to himself. He trusted Jesus enough to go, to go in his name like, I can turn my brother up towards love and good And he can flip that and say the same bad thing thing back to me, but a different way. Because that's how we turn one another up towards love and good deeds. To be able to turn one another up towards love and good deeds requires that you know where your friends are tempted to struggle, where they're tempted to fall away, where they just kind of grow weak and grow failing in their faith. God has so designed his community, so designed his church that he's given us his word. And you can run out of speech that. Part of my work in community is to have the ministry of the Word of God on my lips all the time because you need it. And for you to have it on your lips because I need it, right? We need one another. We need community to be encouraged. So he says, don't neglect meeting together. This is speaking to our weekly gatherings, right? Like, one of the things that I, I, I struggled with when I was doing campus ministry for a long time, we would have students who would come to stuff like this, and that students who would go to like City Day of the Week or something like that. But we're going to be a part of a local church body. Here's what I'll say to that, man. Your walk with Jesus in your community context, your walk with Jesus should be done in the context of a covenant community where you're serving and giving your life away. That's the only reason to live that is giving your life, right? It's, it's when you're serving and giving your life away. Man, can I encourage you right now? Begin to take Jesus' faithfulness to the place and to his people in your life. Gather with them faithfully. Serve with them faithfully. Here's why. I have a number of people at our church right now who are in your seat, who leave college, come to Kansas City, get a job, and are looking for a servant community. Now, what they mean is someone might need to hand me that, not someone who I can give my life away. Christian community is never about where you stand that. It's you giving your life away, me giving my life away, so that one another can serve each other in community. Begin to show Jesus' faithful service and faithfulness in a place like, yeah, I realize it's hard, and yeah, maybe the, the preaching or the music or the whatever or whatever is not the thing that you want. Begin to show Jesus' faithfulness to a place because you actually need that. And as hard as it is sometimes, you actually need the maybe odd-fitting perspective of another person in your church and in your life. You have to bring one other thing like that 
that you do have to sacrifice. You do have to conform more and more to the image of Jesus. Commit to a place and consider how you can be a part of that thing to serve one another up for love and good deeds. The father said to them that they were going to be tempted to fall away and a way to fight against that is to be in the kind of community that is Christ-centered and is tempted and tempted and resisted. Like, that is the way we're going to stay with it. And so, he's not even saying in this text, and I'll close here, he's not even saying, like, hey, just keep making sure you go to church. not what he's saying. What he's saying is, like, hey, don't gather as someone in need of a spiritual fill-up or who you have to have, who you need to have a reason We gather as a family on Sundays, right, to draw you to the end of the day, together, to encourage one another, to draw you to God. We gather as bringers of the Word of Christ. We gather to the earth together who God is and what he's done. And we do that so that our hearts are stirred. And oftentimes, and I see the faith of me, person, seeing his breath out because of the great mercy of Jesus, right? I'm like, oh yeah, he's going to love me. That love comes in me. And as you see that in my face, your faith is encouraged as well. So when you gather together, family, to encourage one another, it's not simply for a common praise. It's so we together can draw one another near 